You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 73, a very special episode where we're not really going to talk about wrestling No, if this, is, if this is your first show, go listen to one of our wrestling shows yes. first. This is actually going to be, this is our one-year anniversary yeah! show, our, our, our state of the podcast show, if you will, yes. if you will. Uh, but yeah, so this is going to be a very different format from what we normally do. This is just going to be us kind of pulling back the curtain and talking about how this podcast works, why this podcast exists, and where it's going to go in the next uh, the next iteration, like where yeah. we're going from here. We've gotten to a certain point in the last year, and we're at a really good point, like a, string, a springboard point to take it to the next level. And so that's what we're going to kind of go over here is a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what we've done and where we're going yeah, and what that means for you guys as listeners and all the cool things that we're hoping to come out with to expand this show. Yeah. I mean, I want to say, first of all, uh, thanks to the listeners. Those of you that have been on board with us from the beginning and that have joined along the way as you've discovered us throughout the various means, which I found out there's been some interesting ways people discover us, whether it's Twitter or just searching for podcasts, either on spot wrestling podcasts on Spotify or iTunes or wherever they listen. It's, it's interesting how many different ways people, people have stumbled across us, but being it, handed a card while standing in line at a wrestling show. Yeah. Well, shout out to PWG right here in LA. Uh, <laughs> If you got a card from uh, myself or one of our lovely ladies, uh, you uh, you have found us the, that way. So um, it's been a year since we started this show, Ian. That's crazy. Um, why why did we go down this crazy journey, <laughs> this this rabbit hole of wrestling, uh, and end up here a year later? Uh, you know, I got to be honest. It was one of those things where, much like Andy and I started over on the concession stand. It kind of started out of casual bar conversation of yeah. like, oh my god, you like wrestling too? Yeah, no, a, a bit of behind the scenes thing here. So I'm I'm a bartender. That's what I do for my my day job. One my, of the many things my, you do. That's true. I, I do a lot of <laughs> I do a lot of stuff. But uh, the main way I make my money yes. is I bartend, and uh, and you were a patron of my bar, yes. And uh, I would overhear you and Andy talking about your podcast, and somehow we got into you and I got into it about wrestling. And uh, next thing, oh you know, my god! Did you see Raw this week? Yeah, pretty it was much. Amazing. Yeah. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, and it was one of those things; it just kind of organically happened where you yep. were starting up this podcast network, Orbital Jigsaw, and uh, it just we you needed content, and one thing led to another, and here we are. Um, you know, the, the obviously the the elephant in the room is uh, did the world need another wrestling podcast? It's a great question. To, and, I mean, and especially like, you know, two guys who admittedly are not really in the industry. Like, no. we're not guys who used to take bumps. We're not uh, uh, ex-wrestlers or anything like that. You know, we're just two fans of professional wrestling, longtime fans of professional wrestling. So, you know, that, of that idea like should we should we do a podcast a wrestling podcast that begs the question uh did we need to and the the answer i think is that you know anytime that that someone can bring a unique perspective to something there's always especially now with how podcasts work there's always room for it and yeah. especially if you can if you can get out there and say it in your in a unique way that connects that people want to listen to uh, it's worth a shot you might as well try and the only metric by which you will be judged is will people listen? Yeah, and or if, if will they, they will they interact with you? you know? Sure, yeah. or, you know, will will it inspire people in some way? Sure. And you know, at that, uh, we were just doing it just to have fun at first, and it's like, hey, let's run run out the flagpole, see if anyone salutes. And I gotta say, we got a lot of salutes. Yeah, we did. And so and a little bit more backstory for you: we used to talk about wrestling on the concession stand, and it's very very early days. If you go back and listen to right. the first twenty or so episodes of the concession stand, we tried to talk about everything geek from tech, consumer tech to wrestling to sports, all of this stuff. Right? Andy and I are both those quintessential kind of just all all geek kind of yeah. people. And Geeks of all trades. Yes. So one of the first things that I identified that had enough content to break out into its own show, so to speak, 
is is WWE and wrestling content. And I think one of the cool things that you brought to the table was your uh, extension of knowledge beyond WWE and your passion for the business beyond what just WWE. Because I had been watching WWE and, you know, if you go back far enough, WCW, NWA, since I was a little kid, but I had never really ventured outside of, you know, the main McMahon promotions. Um, so to bring in New Japan, to bring in Ring of Honor, to bring in uh, Lucha Underground and things like that was a big deal. And I think that was an extension not only of a reason why I wanted to start the show, but it just added so much more value to it. So I'm, I'm glad I, that we met and that we had those conversations. And here we are a year later. Yeah, no, and, and here we are a year later. And we finally, I think, found the... The happy, like you, like you like to say, the, the Goldilocks of yes. the show, where it's yes. not too, not too much this, not too much that. We found kind of a nice even keel, middle ground, and it's a great jumping point now that we are where we're at and we have the, the amazing amount of listeners that we do. Uh, we can springboard now from this to the next level. So, um, you know, as as far as other just kind of like cool little behind the scenes things, like in case you guys didn't know, um, we you know we are in L.A. and yes. L.A. is a big place it's big i have a 40 minute commute to get here because uh, we record at uh, at nick's studio yes. at his at the orbital jigsaw arena in uh, in sherman oaks sherman oaks california if you know I, la you know sherman Oaks. and i come over the hill to get here which is really fun when the hill was on fire yes. i have to say that was a that was a particularly interesting episode driving past the smoldering ruins of the sepulveda pass yes to get to uh, to get to the orbital jigsaw arena and record the show um yeah no it's it's been uh, an interesting journey, partially because of the the difficulties that we've had in making the show sometimes in terms of, you know, like you said, I do a lot of stuff. I've got two jobs. I've got two bands. I, I'm and I, and also I am the L.A. cliche. I'm the actor, musician, bartender. I do all kinds of that stuff. So I'm busy. I'm running around a lot. And so getting the time to write and record this show has been difficult sometimes. Yeah. And uh, it's been definitely a like a financial commitment on both of our parts from your side. So I'm sitting here and I'm I'm giving up my time and my gas money uh to to get over here and do this. You sir, because you're building this podcast network, have invested tons of your money into building this show from a physical standpoint. Yeah, and it's more than just the network, too. It's about building a, a production company, essentially. So it's it's more than just having a, a, a group of like-minded people that like doing podcasts and everything. It's a matter of you know investing in building a business. So it's it, you have to do uh, have create all kinds of lines of revenue for the business to keep the lights on and to keep the mics hot and all of that stuff. So while the network is a big chunk of that and where all of this really started, the the long-term goal has always been to be a production company and that's a long road. It takes a long time, it takes a lot of money and it's been a lot of work. But the highlights of doing that are the interactions you have with people, seeing them succeed as any sort of leader in in any kind of leadership position. The number one thing that you always want is to see people that you're either mentoring or guiding succeed. And we've had several shows that have just blown up and done really well. And it's it's that's one of the most rewarding things. It makes it all worth it. Uh, some of the things we're going to talk about later as well just kind of makes it all worth it. But it's been a lot of money. It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of long days and late nights. But yeah, it's it's this thing is coming together really nicely. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that there's no way you would know from listening to the show is that you're actually like the grand high poobah of this whole thing. Like you're you have this whole other <laughs> set of responsibilities beyond yeah. just the show i like to i like to use the wizard of oz reference the guy like, pulling levers behind the curtain yeah exactly that's yeah. exactly what you are you're not just the guy who comes on the show and loves braun Strowman and hates nia Jax. Right. you're also the guy who's orchestra like, pulling all the strings behind the scenes and making the all the marionettes dance and keeping the lights on in a lot yeah. of ways you know the, the, you've definitely had some struggles with that so and that's one thing that I have to say right now i appreciate very much sir and thank, thank you, you sir thank you so much for for giving us this forum um, and, and making this happen, essentially, you know, I, 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 all I do is just type a bunch of crap on my computer and come in and talk about it. You're the one who's, who's sitting over there and, you know, spinning the, you know, the hamster on the wheel, if you will. Yeah. So, uh, again, so thank you for that. And, and that's kind of the, the best way we can sum up how this show works behind the scenes. Uh, I also want to talk about like just kind of a quick rundown of where we've been the last year. Like, oh man, it's, it's crazy. What a journey. I, well, I went back and looked at my notes over the last year because I have all of my notes and which my, 
by the way, my notes have evolved a lot over the last year. Like learning how to write a podcast has been a really interesting journey for me because I started off taking notes on every little goddamn detail of every show that I was watching. And it was just insanity. Some of my old notes are just like the, the ravings of a madman. And we'll have to post those online for some no, of our patrons. No, those day. will never see no, the light of day. No, okay. Ever. No. Um, but <laughs> some of my, some of my more you. recent notes, maybe because they, they actually look like real show notes. Like I've, I've evolved into actually making real show notes, whereas the old ones just look like garbage, you know, just gobbledygook. <laughs> um, but I went back and looked through a lot of these just to see like what happened in the last year. Like, what did we talk about? What did we do? And it was, it was really interesting to look at because I'd forgotten a lot about it. There was one point we were, we were doing two shows a week. We were, uh, which yeah, was, it was more than that. I think it was up to four at one point. Was it up to point. four at one point? We would record them That's all at crazy. the same time, but we, um, we went through this idea that we wanted people to have the, the option, the ability to just listen to the things that they wanted to, kind of like a, a menu of a sorts. La a la carte. Yes. So if you only wanted to listen to Raw and SmackDown, but didn't really care about all the other stuff, you just wanted to enjoy your main roster updates, we went down that path. The The problem was is it just we... We went in with the best intentions, <laughs> and uh, one of the things that we ran into was that when we when we have everything together, we talk about everything in a more condensed fashion, but when we break them out individually, we kind of give ourselves that extra time to talk. So instead of slimming things down for you, you ended up with four hours so of much content, more content per and, week. And for us, it was difficult because we were, I was writing more notes. We were recording for longer, like the time. More editing and more publishing. Yeah, I was, wouldn't mind getting back to that at some point, yeah. but the, again, it's the time and financial commitment of doing it that was that was just became too much yeah and i mean you know we have when we record we have a real hard time keeping ourselves limited because we keep <laughs> yes. saying, oh, keep the show to an hour 20 keep the show to an hour 30 it always goes to an hour 40 or higher yeah. like you know it's we just we have the diarrhea of the mouth and and that's not a bad thing but it definitely it takes a little bit of of personal of self control and wrangling sometimes to but anyway so that but that faltered it, it fell apart because it was just too much content for us to produce every week so now that we've kind of found with, this with what we had with what we had yeah and so i, I you know I, I think we've kind of found it now where it's it's in about an hour and a half which means an hour and 40 minutes and uh and and keep it to that and touch on everything and and you know get the get the opinions out and move on um, so I think, I think the format right now is really strong. That being said, we're going to talk about it later in the show, uh, how we would like to evolve it and grow it, uh, back to a larger place as, as the show becomes monetized. Well, I have a question for you as well in the sense. So one of the things that I said is we ended up having to do more work and we gave ourselves that leeway. What were some of the lessons that you learned that ultimately strengthened, uh, the format that we have today off the back of that kind of experiment oh, we did back in October just came down to giving us less things to talk about. The oh, more, okay. the more I wrote in the notes, like, Hey, let's talk about this aspect of Mrs. Promo. Let's talk about, Hey, let's, let's talk about Roman Reigns some more. Ugh. Uh, that there's just, it was, let's, let's, let me, let me take that little note out of there. We'll just, I'll put in a general note there and we'll just talk about it until, you know, that we're exhausted on that, not putting all the details, yeah. which would give us more things to talk about. We didn't need inspiration for more things to talk about. We'd have found them. Yep. If I, if I found I had a, like a hot take or a bullet point, I just had to get in there. I still put it in there, but definitely paring down what I'm putting in the notes in order to, to make us talk less. Yeah. And I think uh, off the back of that, over the course of about the last six months, we've seen the numbers just really, really go up. And it's, it's really about finding that sweet spot. Like you mentioned at the top of the show, I refer to it as the Goldilocks. You know, there was one side of it that was too cold. We went someplace that was too hot, and then we came back to this place that was yeah. just right, right in the middle. And it's kind of the show that you guys get every week from us today. So we definitely want I to don't expand wanna, on that. Yeah. I don't, now, real quick, I don't want to pat ourselves in the back too hard because we still have a lot of <laughs> oh, yeah. room to grow, right. and a lot of and and we definitely would love audience feedback. Like, what do you guys like about the show? What do you think would work better, etc. And and we'll talk later on in this show about our ideas, but we'd love to hear back like, Hey, what do you think would be good for the show? I know I had, um, uh, one of our Australian fans on online said that, you know, we come out too late in the week. It's, it's just too late. And one of the reasons for that is our, our timing and our freedom and our ability to watch all of the relevant shows in the week and then put out the show around my work schedule pretty right. much. So that's kind of why that's working the way it is right now going forward. You know, we would like to be able to put out more content early in the week, but it would be a matter of timing and, and finances. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a matter of where when we get the 
uh, the the monetization part of the show ramped up. And, you know, for those of you that have been listening for the longest time, you've heard the blueberry ad at the front of the show. Um, that is one thing that we use to pay the bills, and it, it does help, even though a lot of people don't aren't just lining up to start podcasts. It's one of those things that does help us pay the bill in some kind of an inverse fashion. But uh, at the t- beginning of the year, we really ramped up Patreon stuff, and we have some more plans to do that in the future. So if it's something that you would like to see us do, we're going to talk more about Patreon here in a little bit. And and some plans that we have for it. But that is one way that you can definitely help uh, get us over to where we can create more content for you guys every week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, before we before we really get into to that stuff, to our, our technical future plans, I want to talk actually really quickly about what happened last year in wrestling. Like, just okay. let's, let's talk wrestling for a second, because that is what the show really is. And kind of taking, you know, an, as an anniversary show, looking back at all the big wrestling events of the last year is kind of crazy because it's been... A, a very strange year in a lot of ways. Like it's, I think it's, I, to me, it felt very transitional for WWE. There were, that's a good word. Well, they're kind of hunkering down. They were hunkering down this last year, coming up on their contract renewals. And as we now know, they just got, they just got paid big time. They got paid big by, by both NBC and by Fox. Right. So the last year was them really in a lot of ways trying to put, on one hand, their best foot forward, while on the other hand, be very conservative financially. So watching their decisions was very interesting, to say the least, in that, but through that lens. Um, you know, on the one hand, you had the gender experiment where they were shooting for that India money. And I, I think kind of shooting the moon and not really quite coming close to the moon. No. Um, but because uh, it was just, it, it, it was so awkwardly done with him being a heel and them trying to pitch it to the Indian audience as him being a face through the Hindu commentary, which was, which was just a a bizarre, I don't like, it's like trying to serve two masters and I don't think it quite worked. Um, Although I've come around on gender a lot as a performer, he's definitely gotten a lot better. And right now I think he's a very enjoyable heel on Monday night raw. If not mind blowing, he's he's serviceable. Yeah. uh, Certainly better than he was at the start. Um, and I think it's one of those things where maybe they they just they went too fast, too quickly, too soon, yeah. uh, and they just threw it at it and sh- you know uh, shoved it down our throats to an extent. And before he was ready, before we were yeah. ready, like just it was it was hot shotted way too much. Like if they had waited a year and done it now, so yeah. to speak, with him evolving as a character, I, I think it might have worked even better. I think there's a lot of hot shotting that's been going on, and actually on this week's episode of. of the regular show of Busted Wide Open, we got to talk about the hot shot and going out with your favorite, Nia Jax, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be another example of just hot shot booking where you you sit there and your mind boggles. Like, why would you do this? You're completely ruining your own uh, storyline and your own, your favorite word, momentum. Um, speaking of momentum, we had Nakamura debuted on the main roster about exactly when we started the show and seeing his journey from being kind of this legendary, you know, mystical figure coming in to just really being cooled off hard on the main roster with an awful feud with Ziggler, with an awful feud with Jinder, um, and then just everything cooling down and all the way up to his heel turn at WrestleMania and and turning into Cock Nakamura and and this strange feud with AJ that is on one hand totally working and Jinder's a fantastic or Jinder. <laughs> Nakamura's a fantastic heel. Right. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is the feud you're giving us. This is how you're writing it. Um, so it's that's been an interesting journey for him to watch. Um, watch and on SmackDown, you know, the whole Kevin Owens journey from him having kind of a lukewarm feud with AJ Styles, which was surprisingly lukewarm. Into that this should have been a lot better than it was. Yeah, it was just some weird finishes to matches, a couple of botched finishes, and it was it was it was a tragic in a lot of ways because I think both of those guys are incredible workers. Yeah, I mean, coming off of Hell in a Cell last year, you had that match where Sami Zayn showed back up, and it was kind of Sami Zayn's heel turn, right? And that, yeah, and that was it, it started that whole storyline with Daniel Bryan and Shane and Kevin Owens and Sami, and then AJ got mixed well, in Shane, there somewhere. Shane started around SummerSlam, and it was like it was the biggest angle of the year in terms of amount of time spent. Yeah. Was was Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon yes. and it started at the end of the AJ feud where you know you had Shane kind of interfering and, and not being a very good referee frankly and then it's just becoming the whole rest of the year and then just having a kind of a blah payoff at Wrestlemania um, that was that took up most of the year the other thing that took up most of the year was the massive rise of Braun Strowman you know he was a pretty big deal at, at when we started the show but he wasn't like 
enormous was deal. Was he still the black sheep in the white family? No, not when Had we he started. broken out already? He'd broken out, and he was kind of a tweener when we started the show, yeah. and now he's just gone full-on babyface. One of the biggest things in the company, uh, pardon the pun, you know, he's he's now one of the, he gets some of the biggest pops. He's straight up like one of the biggest guys in the company. Yeah. And that's all just from the work he put in over the last year and how they've positioned him really well. Like the, he had a really good feud with Roman Reigns. Um, the ambulance match last summer was uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I I still am pissed about the whole backing the ambulance into the truck thing. And But it's okay. Roman's still a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, but overall, that feud was fantastic, and and he's had some great matches. He's improved a lot in terms of his presentation, his his personal confidence. Watching him grow into this, you know, superstar role that he's in now has just been really fascinating to watch over the last year. Um, almost as fascinating as watch watching Miz reinvent himself over arguably the last few years, but really like this last year he's on another level. I think the Miz, if I had to look back at the last decade, might be the the star of the last decade. If you go all the uh, way I back I think you're to, going a little long on that. But. Fair, but I mean, his entrance, it was probably around 2008 or so. Ziggler was kind of on top of the world and, and Cena and Punk, of course. But there was 2010 when he won the money in the bank and something shifted. And he was still very much overshadowed by the Punk, Cena, all of those other kinds of things. But after after we got past the Ziggler stuff, and and past the Daniel Bryan stuff, it's been Miz ever since Daniel Bryan. Pretty see, much. I would actually argue that Miz turned the corner when um uh, when he when right Reese. right after right after WrestleMania thirty one. Um, oh God, what's his name? The his, his it was it was his stunt Sandow. double Sandow. Thank you, Mizdow. Mizdow. Him and Mizdow broke up, and after that, because that whole angle, like Sandow was the star, and Miz was just kind of there. Um, kind of doing like a caricature of what he's doing now. And he really focused in a lot more after that. And it's just been growing and growing and growing ever since then. And there's been a bunch of watershed moments, whether it was his Ziggler feud, whether it was the the Talking Smack promo. He's had a bunch of watershed moments. Um, but I think that Maurice was, joining him uh, to on the show every episode, yep. what, her coming back was a big, big turning point. Their for dynamic, him. like th- th- all of that was a fantastic uh, thing for him. And he's definitely been growing. And it's only now where we're really seeing him just, he's in cruise control. Yep. The dude is just money every time he comes out, everything he does. And it's crazy to go back and just see the amount of hate that people had for him back in the day and just how really not impressive he was too. And how he has willed himself into this position. It's been fascinating to watch. Um, the other thing we get, we can't get out of the, the, this year without talking about is the Brock Lesnar era, the Brock Lesnar reign. Um, you know, he won it off of Goldberg at uh, at WrestleMania 33 after getting beat in 90 seconds. Um, previous to that, yeah, by Goldberg. Well, right. Goldberg had to get a little bit of sure. superhero thing going for his son in the audience, you right. know. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, and I and I liked their match at WrestleMania. I thought it was just what I just what, like a couple of just monsters doing. I mean, that leapfrog that Brock did over Goldberg's spear was that was cool as hell. Yeah, it was. There, and it was. I thought it was a great coronation moment. Like we'd had kind of a weird Kevin Owens reign with the Universal Title, and and it wasn't that great because of the comedy angle with Jericho. Right. Um, and then losing it in in thirty seconds to Goldberg was a terrible way to end it. Um, and I was so I was excited. I was hopeful when Brock got the belt. The problem is, is that it became a repetition. It's become a repetition. He's only he's defended the title less times in the last year than Seth Rollins has defended the Intercontinental title since he won it a month ago. Wow, a month and a half ago, whenever whatever it was. It, that's crazy. Like uh, you know, we're going to talk about Okada here in a second over in New Japan. He's just broken another record for for he's held it for something like seven hundred and eight days now. He's held it forever. You're, he, you're getting into San Martino territory up he's, there. Well, he's he's about to break the all time record if he if he beats uh, Kenny Omega, and we'll talk about this in the regular show. But if he, yeah. if, if he beats Kenny Omega at Dominion, he will surpass Kenta Kobashi's all time record. Holy uh, for for you know for the modern era, like it's it's crazy how long his reign is. But no one's bitching about his reign. And he doesn't defend it all the time. He defends it maybe nine, ten times a year. He doesn't defend it all the time, but he also works other matches. And every time he does defend it, it feels like a big deal. And it's a great match. You know what I mean? Like they're insanely good. This his match against Tanahashi that he just had, I, I still blows my mind. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen. It was so good. 
Um, Do you so, think that's what they were going for, what Vince was going for, in the Brock? sense that with Brock was trying to make it feel special when he did actually show up and it's just backfired on him? I, I think, yes, in some ways. Like, you want to keep him an, as an attraction, and Lord knows that they're paying him enough to, that, that they want to keep him as something kind of special, like the final boss of WWE, right. if you will. Um, but, yeah, it has faltered somewhere. Like, somewhere the mystique has worn off. You can't keep building the feuds the same way. And Paul Heyman, bless his heart, tries to find different ways to spin it every time. But at a certain point, it all just becomes rote. Yeah. You know what I mean? Brock manufactured. Yeah. You know, Brock shows up. Paul, you know, yells on the mic for a little bit. Uh, Brock goes and beats a guy with one F five done until you have the bizarre ass WrestleMania Roman, it's match. Roman reigns. Right. Um, which he has to, he has to beat him into the ground and then win. But uh, but yeah, so Brock, he looks like he's going to break Punk's reign. They're starting to acknowledge that online now, as we suspected that they would. We called that on this show that they would uh, start saying, "Oh, Brock's going to have the longest reign of the modern era." Not CM Punk, wink, wink, um, and that it was just more pettiness. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to happen. You know, the thing that I was most excited about uh, enough about Brock because I want to move on. Uh, the thing uh, I was most excited about over the course of the last year is my personal investment into. Uh, NXT and everything that was going on over in the, you know, the minor leagues, if you want to call it that, or their training WWE Indies kind of. Yeah. And it's, it's there. You can see the investment from WWE into that. It's not just some tough enough gimmick anymore. It's, it's a real factory of just making superstars the way that we want them to be made over there. And look at all the people that have come out in the last year. Well, I was going to say two things. One, you're you're relatively new to NXT yes. as well. Like you, Probably about a year, two, yeah, maybe two. If you I'm kind of picked it. it up just before we started the show uh, because when, we, Kev, when Kevin came to uh, NXT came to the main roster right. with the NXT Championship, that's really when I started watching. So it's about two years. I would love to see the numbers on that because I feel like it was a watershed moment for a lot of people. Like, what's going on in NXT? Um, the interesting thing about NXT, you were saying it was a superstar factory. Yes, but it's also now that WWE is starting to invest more in the indie talent like and and trust me now that they have that paycheck they were going to do a lot more of that we're going to see a lot of them they're going to grab everybody they're going to grab all kinds of indie talent now and just hold them under contract um so that they they can't have these all-in events all the time you know um but now like it's become a place where they bring indie talent polish them up and see if they can go to the higher level and on in some of their cases they bring them in and immediately position them as superstars and so it's not even about building their own. It is, it's still that as well. And you can see that by who some of the biggest people currently working in NXT are. You have enormous indie talent, and then you have the homegrown talent that they think is the best. Those are the ones working at the top of NXT. And that's one of the reasons why NXT is so good is because you have these homegrown talents getting some of the indie knowledge from these people who've been out in the road and working their asses off all year long. And the two different schools are melding. And you're getting these great sort of hybrid matches as a result. Uh, so that it's been a lot of fun to watch. Well, let's do a quick rundown real quick, just as a recap of like who came out of NXT in the last year. We're looking at Asuka with her incredible run. We've got Andrade C and Almas, who kind of came out of nowhere and went up and got the championship. Great example of a guy they repackaged. They yes. brought in there like, whoops, we screwed that up, Drop, dropped him back down the ranks, repackaged him, brought him back up with a new package, and just... Dude just took off. Uh, speaking of which, Drew McIntyre is another example of that, who was main rostered 3MB, you know, uh, and then come, goes Ugh. away, re, rejigs his, his format, his character, all of that stuff, gets jacked, and comes back and becomes the NXT champion. I remember when he left and how bummed he was about it and Mick Foley telling him online, like, dude, don't. it's, it's an opportunity. Don't stress about it. Go yeah. learn your craft, get better, come back, and take over. And... Man, Mick looked like looks like a prophet now because that's exactly what Drew did. He went and just became a monster over in the UK and on the Indies, and came back with just a whole new presence. And what do they do with him on the main roster? Put him with Dolph. All right, we're Ziggler. not. All right, we're not going to go not down gonna, that we're road. Not here to bitch I want to talk about man. my favorite thing. That <laughs> has, about the happy things. Yeah, my favorite thing that has come up over the last year in NXT has been Aleister Black. And the, you talk about a meteoric rise, uh, an original entrance that we had never really seen before with a great theme song, great Tron, great presence. Great in the package ring. altogether. Yeah. Uh, striker style uh, in-ring performance. So, I mean, just the, the sky's the limit for that dude as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how he transitions to the main roster. I think that is still That's the question with a everybody. big concern yeah. for every single person that cuts over these days. But we can't get out of here without talking about the breakup 
of DIY mm. with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And the culmination of that with the return of Tommaso Ciampa earlier this year, uh, even still ongoing we today. Were, we were calling from the day they broke up yeah. that it was going to be the greatest feud of 2018. Yeah. And so far, it's my favorite feud of 2018. Yes. Like, it's just, it's hitting on every level. It's the, it's, I think the only true heel in WWE, not a cool heel, He's a he's a pure heel and he's doing hard work online too, like keeping that, like not being cool. Like he's being very uh like uncool to the fans and just being such a dick on Twitter. I'm loving it. Um and, and other things that we we have to talk about, um you're talking about homegrown talent, Lars Sullivan and Velveteen Dream. Yeah. I remember seeing Lars at NXT Access back in like four or five years ago and being like, Who the hell is that? Patrick uh, Velveteen Dream came up through the Tough Enough program. Tough enough, yeah. He's 22, 23 years old. Didn't even win Tough Enough. But yeah. you, but my God, you talk about a guy who is invested in his character 100% in. And if if handled correctly, could be the next absolute superstar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you handle that guy correctly, he is going to make you a ton of money. Money, yes. unbelievable. Um, and of course, can I say Ricochet? No, we got to say Ricochet. Our boy, our boy. Uh, L.A. I think from Boyle Heights. Uh, you know, just or do they just pitch that? I don't know. He's not from Boyle Heights. That's that's Lucha, that's Underground. From Lucha Underground. Yeah. Wait, no, he's not Ricochet over there. That's Prince Puma. Did I just ruin that Who? whole thing? Who's that? Who? I don't know. What are you what even are we, talking about yeah. here, Nick? Hey, you know, Enzo Amore almost completely ruined everything in two hundred five live oh earlier God. this year. Well, thank thank God Triple H took over, and now the now it's one of the best WWE shows there is. Yes, I agree with that. And, and, and I was out. really down on 205 Live. I, di- I didn't. It was almost like main event. It was that thing we, that you felt like you had to watch. But. We, so this is actually an interesting thing. We started off the year not talking about 205 at all. Uh, and and as the year went on, like we would mention it. Like When Enzo went over, we, we mentioned, we talked about it because that was the point of sending Enzo over there was to get people talking about it and watching it. But unfortunately, because of the way that they ran that show and it was very character heavy and not very wrestling heavy, the show was terrible. Yep. And so we didn't really talk about that much. They didn't really have any good feuds going on or any plot lines. Now that they're doing it the way that they're doing it now, we talk about it every week because it's always good and yes. it's always worth talking about. And the key things behind the scenes to note are Triple H taking over, Enzo Amore getting dismissed uh, because, to, to clarify, because he did not share that he was under investigation, not because of the investigation itself. That's the thing that I hear most people confused about. He did not disclose that that stuff was going on. And now we know, as we reported last week or the week before last, uh, all of those charges have been dropped because I, I think she turned out to be a, a back, back case. So uh, anyway, moving on from Enzo, because there's not really that much talk. Well, no, about like there. The 205 Live, yeah. you know, the, 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 the kind of the turnaround of 205 Live happened within the last year. Yep. Lucha Underground finished up its third season. It's now going for its fourth, which debuts June 13th. Uh, what else? Cody, the God all in is such a huge, like the, we started talking about that back when it was, when he first started talking about it, which was a long time ago, we mentioned, Oh yeah, there was this whole thing online between Meltzer and the young bucks and Cody saying, Oh, I bet you can't sell out the 10,000 seat arena and Cody going, I'll take that bet. Um, and here we are, you know, six, eight months later, Cody's now a first time booker, uh, and, and promoter. And they sold out in 29 minutes and 36 seconds or something insane like that. Like it's a, it is in every metric, a huge success. And that says a lot about the indie scene and what people are interested in and want to go see and will spend lots of money to go, to go check out. Yeah. Speaking of Cody, I almost can't talk about Cody without mentioning the kind of meteoric rise of the bullet club over the club over the last 12 to 18 months. Like we've seen, like we knew they existed, mm-hmm. but there was this, I mean, between like you started seeing bullet club shirts in hot WWE topic. The hot topic and deal. hot topic thing that blew up over the course of the last year, well, even though it's always been a, a thing that was there. It's not something that the mainstream audience really knew about or invested in, but I think it has, you can't not talk, you can't talk about Cody and all in and the success of that without talking about all of the mainstream attention that bullet club and Kenny Omega and the young bucks have gotten over the last. And I think, I think it's more the transition of bullet club after AJ left. Um, and just how that transitioned into being Kenny Omega's and the young bucks bullet club being the elite and everything they, they have, they've done online, uh, in terms of raising awareness, but also to a certain extent of that, it's also how how good New Japan has gotten in the last three to four years. Like with with Gato's booking, New Japan has gotten. I mean, last year was I, I would say probably the best year of New Japan of all time. Yeah, like it was ridiculous how many good matches they had, and this year is already on pace to 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 be even better. Um, 
with all the new stars that they've got and people who are now kind of get, like hitting their stride. Will Ospreay is a great example of just some guy who figured it out this year, like through the last year, but especially this year, he's figured it out and he's just having a killer year. Um, the awareness there. And I think also the, the young bucks, just brilliant marketing of it. Um, you know, just, just grassroots homegrown, making their own deals uh, and having their shirts in every hot topic across the United States is a huge deal for that. There's that kind of outsider coolness to bullet club. Yeah. Um, which I think is going away because it's becoming so mainstream because you're seeing more bullet club it's shirts not cool anymore at a WW. No, it's still very cool, but it's just becoming kind of ubiquitous. You're seeing more bullet club shirts than you are WWE product shirts. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I can't even imagine the kind of merch revenue that they have, but yeah, but that's an indication. I think, I don't think that's, it's, it's a result of that. I think maybe, you know, a combination of things, but it's definitely an indication of the passion that's out there or things that aren't necessarily WWE. Like there is a, a people who like sports entertainment, like wrestling aren't necessarily just into WWE anymore. There is a, a wider appreciation for more things. Yep. And if there weren't, they wouldn't have sold out all in, in 30 minutes. I agree. One last thing we got to talk about is uh, a bit of a, you know, impact or TNA or whichever you want to refer to. It's it. just it, impact. Now, it's yeah. just impact. It has gone through this ebb and flow of up and downs and all kinds of stuff, but in a way with some crossover stuff going on with Lucha Underground and I think AAA and other stuff that was going on in Mexico, they've somehow pulled it off and come back. They Well, what happened was they were dead in the water. Like We, we talked about it when, when Jeff Jarrett um, got fired yep. and, and it was once again, everyone was just calling, saying it was dead. It was dead. And then uh, Don Callis and, and Scott Demore came along and were like, we're taking over and we're going to make it better. Uh, Austin Aries left WWE. He went over there and became their like one of their number one guys. And as you said, they picked up a lot of talent from Lucha Underground, not necessarily as a crossover, but because it wasn't exactly a business deal between the two different uh, companies. Sure. It was definitely it was that 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 group of performers, um, whether through AAA or just on their own on the indie scene, had a big enough following and impact was just there to to write them a check and say you know, come over here and callous and demore being smart enough to, to handpick the talent whether it's pentagon and hat and hot shotting it having him win the title on his first night um or you know cage johnny uh johnny whatever Hennigan. you want john or johnny yeah, impact now john hennigan yeah because he, he wears so many last names well looking at it from a production standpoint those guys really only booked for like six to eight weeks uh, to do the Lucha Underground season. They record all of that stuff, right? Yeah, and then they're free, then for, they're the rest free of the year. for the rest of the year. So, so why not? It right. makes perfect sense. And it's it's tough on Lucha Underground to do that because it's, you know, they, they don't know what talent they're going to get back and what talent they're not. But at the same time, when the talent gets such exposure through Lucha Underground, when you look at Pentagon, that guy went from being essentially just another AAA wrestler to being one of the hottest guys on the indie scene. And, and Phoenix, too, his brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the Lucha brothers have just been huge. Uh, a lot of the guys on Lucha Underground have seen their stock rise as a result. So uh, it's been really f- fascinating to see that, too. You know, looking at Impact, looking at All In, looking at the other federations that are out there. Ring of Honor, too. My God. Ring of Honor is one of the big you know supporters of All In. A lot of the talent from Ring of Honor is going there. Um, and seeing a lot of the other... I mean, there's so much wrestling going on around the world. Like it's not, it's not uh, hyperbole to say that this is a golden age of wrestling right now. Like it's I think one of the culminations of that was WrestleMania weekend in new Orleans with all of the things that were going on around WrestleMania. It's been, it's become so insane. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, here's the thing, Nick is here. We are doing this podcast and there's always just so much to talk about. It feels like we just cannot talk about enough. We could do a show just on WWE and talk about that for hours and hours. But well, then on top of that, there's all this other great, like genuinely great stuff out there. We started the top of the show saying we weren't going to talk about wrestling, but we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about wrestling and all of that stuff. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's where we sneak it's it in. It's right? almost like that's why we do this show because yeah. we can't stop talking about wrestling. What was wrestling? the first yeah. question we asked? Why did we even need, did, did we need another wrestling podcast? Yeah, I, I think we absolutely <laughs> did. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, give you guys some inside the studio access kind of stuff, you know, equipment upgrades, anything that we've done uh, that, you know, you guys' contributions have helped. Um, there's certainly 
no limit to the cost that you can run up doing this. You'll hear <laughs> a lot of people doing podcasts with very lower end mics, uh, not editing correctly and a lot of that stuff. And you can hear that in the show, but we constantly get uh, complimented on the sound quality of our show. And that's because we've invested in it. Um, I've invested in $500 microphones for us to use and in proper boom mics, uh, boom stands for us to have. Uh, we've gone through two to three iterations of uh, audio chains and software to the point now where we've got plugins and Logic Pro 10 and running on a big Mac. And we've got a big $1,000 audio interface here that is, is you know, powering this you know the and, sound that and we have. lest anybody th- hear that and think oh man that's kind of masturbatory well here's the thing it's not just for this show it's for your business yeah you know this, it's our this, this show is the only show i this, do exactly <laughs> this show is benefiting from the fact that you're investing in your company that's really the point i want to drive home here is Thank that you. that uh you know w- w- it's it's lucky that we get to use this setup that you're building for your company um and it's definitely going to be an asset to this show going forward right um, but it's, it's something that, you know, is, is it's a, uh, an asset as, as I was saying that, that we have at our disposable at our disposable. But the great thing is, uh, because you're growing your company and this show will grow with your company. Um, it's also going to be growing independently. Like the show is also going to have its own aspects, uh, in your studio here that we're going to be growing and making even better because we have that nice foundation to build off of right. that'll, that a lot of shows, don't have and I and I I gotta say I feel very blessed and very lucky um, to to be able to have this uh, for this podcast because oh man I the number of times I hear podcasts and there's all this boomy sound in the background it sounds like they're on a cell phone or anything it's nice to be able to have our stuff sound really good yeah you know I hope you guys really like it that's yeah, really what I want to seriously drive home it's is if there's ever any problems with the audio quality that's the first thing I want to know about because <laughs> we've spent a ton of money on making sure that it does not sound bad. If, so, yeah, if, it's, if it sounds bad, you you screwed up somewhere, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I messed up. So uh, no, I mean we've had we consultants can, come in, we've had all kinds of stuff. Oh god, you know, it's 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 pretty insane uh, the level of effort that's been put into getting this quality of sound that you guys it, are hearing. It motivates me to not suck because I'm like, man, you you <laughs> you put so much into the equipment, I better not suck when I come in now. And the problem with getting really high end equipment is it highlights your faults. That's yeah. It's uh, so when you really get the high end stuff and the really good mics and the really good gear, you it, can tell. I haven't had my sip of water. Yes. <laughs> hey, Nick. So this week on the show, uh, while we're talking about the equipment, let's talk about our future plans. Yeah. Like, we, let's let's get in. Let's stop talking about the past. Let's get in the future. What? Where are we? This is the exciting stuff. So we obviously we want to we want to build the show. We want to grow the show. And uh, the next step, and this is something that was pointed out to me by 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 Larson of Stephen Larson going in raw. He yep. said, "Look." You can't really. Actually, I think Steve busted our balls on 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 he the did. show. On he the did. show, he busted our balls and said you can't really consider yourselves a, a real show until you have some some video content out there. Why are those guys not on YouTube? And well, those two guys because the monetization. No, that's what oh, he said us, to about us. us. Yeah, yeah. And, and we are now. Well, Thank you, Steve. On, we're on YouTube. We're on YouTube, and we plan on having even more stuff on YouTube. Right now, it's just basically the we have the plate of the show, and then the the EQ running underneath. Sure. But we're we are planning on getting actual live footage of us doing the show on YouTube. Like we want to get a whole bunch of YouTube content on there. We want to start doing live streams. You, uh, Nick has now t- in his studio invested in putting in these nice little cameras here that I'm I'm looking at one right now. Uh, and within the next what what do you think our time frame is for that, Nick? I don't want I don't want to over over promise and under deliver, but we're we're probably a month away. Nice uh, ish, yeah. There thereabouts, but basically the format is going to be we're going to turn the cameras on and live stream this process, and we're going to be as automated and straight through as we possibly can. But I'm not going to rule out the fact that we're going to you'll get to see us flub every now and then, yeah. Which we, you may not hear when we're actually recording the podcast episode itself, but that is something that we want to bring the list. The reason we want to do that is we want to open, pull the curtains back, show you guys how we do this this thing, show you the studio and. Uh, the set that we are going to dress up here for you 
and give you the ability. This is the most important thing. We're going to have the live chat setups for each of the different streams. We're nice. hoping to go to Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook Live within our discussion group. So we're going to have all of that going at once and have three different places where people can interact with the show. We want to make this as live of a show as possible. We're still going to do the audio podcast on the back end that you will come out the same way that you've always gotten it. But we're I'm looking at pushing that live streaming part of it to make it more interactive. And then the live stream itself can be posted on YouTube. We can It'll we can be there for posterity. And we yep. can and we can cut it up and make clips of it, et cetera. So there'll be a lot of material out there that yep. we'll be having that is video content. And in addition, my my kind of goal, like looking at as, as a year long plan, um, I would like to start getting out more you know, spot content, you know, one of us in front of a green screen talking about maybe not top 10 lists, but maybe top 10 lists. I don't know. You know, don't some make that SmackDown live mistake. Uh, well, yeah, right. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, we do no, have a green screen. We no. do have big fancy cameras. A lot of that stuff's coming uh, later this year. So as we work through 2018, we're going to start with the live streaming stuff, get that up and running. Yeah. And it's just going to become a regular thing where we just flip the cameras on and then we just do our thing like we normally do, do. Do my best Simon Miller impression, smack myself on the head. And, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be great. Why? Here's why. No, no I, I, I can't wait to do some, a lot of this more content. And again, a lot of that's going to be because the monetization's coming in the next month or so for the show. So I will be able to take more time to make more content for the show uh, with Nick. Um, so, and that's, so, that's like the biggest obstacle right now is just the financial aspect of it right. is um, I got to pay my bills. Freedom isn't free. I, it costs folks like you and yeah, me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a hardworking man, a son yeah. of a plumber, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so Next I got to work yes. around this country. Yeah, I, I need to pay my bills. Um, so that is the biggest thing holding us back from creating more content, from going to multiple shows a week. Uh, and once we work that out, you know, it, and then it's just a matter of me shuffle, shuffling around my work stuff, and and we can devote more time to the show and creating more content. Absolutely, for everyone one out of there. the big things is uh, we we're trying to get more content out earlier in the week. Uh, the first thing we're starting with is we're going to do pay per views earlier in the week, so we will have some of that auxiliary content coming out both to YouTube and uh, to the podcast here directly. So you might have heard all of our recaps from each of the pay-per-views coming out either on Monday or Tuesday, usually Tuesdays, if I'm not mistaken, but we want to do those even sooner. It's just a matter of scheduling, uh, getting to the point where we can regularly do more than one show a week. I mean, I'm looking forward to the point, uh, which I think is coming up soon, we'll be live streaming the pay-per-view. Like, you know, us watching the the pay-per-view and live commenting and interacting with the fans and everybody and and the listeners uh, who are also watching and just, you know, just rapping about stuff while it's happening. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun when we can get that working. And that's that's within the plan for the next six months to a year. Yep. Um, and here's here's the other thing that I you know, was mentioned talking to the listeners and the fans live. Um, and that is the that is kind of our main overall focus besides the the video content is the interactivity with the listeners yep. is being having more commu- direct communication. You know, the Facebook group is a grace is a great start. Uh, but the Facebook group is just one tentacle of the octopus, if you will, uh, that we want to create, whether it's, you know, talking, whether it's talking online on Facebook, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's having call-ins on the show, like having the ability to take calls and having an extra show just devoted to talking to the listeners. Um, whether it's having uh, during the live stream, having the, the the chat feed going and being able to answer answer questions live from the chat feed, uh, Q and A's, you know, whether we have a dedicated forum just for that, the for for people asking questions, whether it's in Facebook, whether it's shooting us an email or, or whatever, um, whatever that is, like just having more ability to communicate with the listeners, get their opinions, get you know, answer their questions. When the, whenever it pops up into their heads. Yes, and a big part of this as well, is, as we've mentioned a few times on the show, is the more that you guys be, are involved in the show, the more you're invested in the show, the more that we can bring to you. Uh, and we think the best way to do that is through Patreon. It's been the, the stalwart of the industry for the last couple of years as they've risen up. And one of the things that we've, we would like to do instead of going and pursuing advertising or sponsorship opportunities or all of those kinds of headaches that we don't really want to deal with too much is to just involve you guys. Let you drive the show to a certain extent, of course. 
but at the same time allow you to contribute, allow you to invest, and allow you to uh, be a part of this whole journey that we're going on. So in order to do some of these things like introduce uh, some merchandise packages, uh, do some special Patreon-only uh, episodes that are only going to go up on there and some exclusives for you guys. Uh, those That's really the direction we're going, and we're going to focus all of our efforts directly into Patreon. That that being said, let's be clear. At some point, there will be advertising on the show. Uh, <laughs> There's going to be a couple at of commercials. At some point, but I think there will be a, a Patreon-only kind of version that has no ads in it. We can totally. do that as well. Right, so. right, right. I, just, I, I have no problem pitching motor oil, just so you know, <laughs> if, if need be. I think what we'll focus on are things that are relevant to the business or things that our listeners would be interested in. But yeah. motor oil, that's funny. True cars. This episode true, is brought to you by Valvoline. True, true cars, right, Jericho? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, I mean, what, hey, man, like I said, monetization is the biggest thing for the show. So that's going to be a big goal. But it's not just about us being going out there for a money grab. This is new content, net new content above and beyond the regular podcast yep. that we want to create for you guys anyway. It's just a matter of getting us over the hump to be able to do it. And things that we've come up with are really some some ever focusing on evergreen content. Yeah. And what is evergreen content? It's things that's not really weekly episodic type of things, but more like, you know, reviewing old pay-per-views and giving you our commentary on it and certain things that happened History. during those times. History of the wrestling business. Um, Ian came up with a great idea called Turning Points last week that I think is a really good one. Then that's going through history and looking at certain things. Uh, Ian, what, what would be a few examples that you could think of the, that we could talk about? The one that made me think about it was the Stone Cold heel turn. Yeah, You know what I mean? As as And I don't, I mean, the play on words was turning. I don't want it to all be about turns, the heel turns and face turns. I could do, you know, four hours just on Big Show if I was going to do that. But uh, I want it to be more about like just just moments when things changed and why that happened. Whether whether it's the Stone Cold heel turn, whether it's Flair coming to WWE in '92 um, or WWF at the time, yeah. Uh, whether it's Miz winning Money in the Bank, discussing when Miz turned the corner. His talking smack thing was a turning big time. Absolutely, yeah. perfectly, and 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 discussing where what got him to that point and where he went after that. That is the kind of thing I would like to do a show about where we just we go down history and we look at certain events through the lens of history. You know, uh, Vince buying WCW, Vince buying know? WCW, the, the screw the job end of the Monday Night Wars, the, the, the Montreal screw job is another great example. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But but all, or, or, you know, th- there's a whole bunch of 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 different things and not even in just WWE, like just across the board, just wrestling history. And and I think that that would be really interesting. Yeah. Blech. That's the kind of thing you'll hear a lot more on the live feed when yes. Ian, Ian stumbles <laughs> over his own words. Uh, no, this, hearing more about how things look through the lens of history, because there's a lot of rewriting of history. If you watch the Under the Giant uh, documentary or if you watch w, uh, WWE's special on the Monday Night Wars on the, on the network, there's a lot of taking history and manipulating it for your own ends. And so being able to step back and take a clear-eyed look at how things went down is definitely some extra content that I would love to have out there. Yep. Um, last but certainly not least, uh, the last big announcement that we need to talk about is for the last couple of months, uh, we have been in talks. Uh, I say we. I want to be clear about this. Um, my company, Orbital Jigsaw, has been in talks with the El Rey Network. Uh, we are both big fans of Lucha Underground, their hit fantasy wrestling show that they have on there, and is going into getting ready to launch season four. And I, we pitched them the idea of doing a companion podcast to go along with the show and have episodes release as new episodes of the TV show released. So you would get to hear analysis and content beyond what happened in the TV show. Basically like, like, talking, like talking Dead. Or After the Thrones, after Game of Thrones. Right. right. One yeah. of those kinds of uh, sort of shows that are a weekly, episodic, here's what happened in this episode kind of thing, with the idea that we would b- bring in interviews with some of the luchadors and all of this other stuff. And they loved the idea. So uh, we're going to start doing that, I believe, uh, this week. So we have to do some more meetings, and we have to get ready start prepping some content. Yeah. And uh, we will keep you guys posted as to where you can subscribe to that when it does actually launch. Yeah, it's the entertainment industry. Nothing happens till it happens. Yes. And, and when it happens, it's, it's really happening. hair on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my hair is pretty lit on fire right now because yeah. I got a lot of stuff to do for the end of this week with that. But yes, we had a unique opportunity. Yes. And, uh, and we will hopefully have more news about that 
as it happens. Yes. So very excited about that uh, for obvious reasons. That's yes. a, it's a pretty cool look, but uh, still fingers crossed. Um, before we get out of here, again, I want to I want to really drive home that this would not be happening if it weren't for the listeners, if it weren't for the people who were getting involved with us. And there's been some people, especially uh, in the last year, who uh, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on on Patreon, or whether it's just personal support, have really, really uh, come through for us and and been a lot of fun to to have uh, be a part. Obviously, everyone who who wrote reviews uh, on whatever podcast app, you know, whether it's iTunes or whatever, or anyone Facebook, who, or yeah. Facebook, anyone who, anyone who wrote a review about the show or rated our show or gave us feedback was was a real big help. Um, we have some some of the people who just jumped on Patreon pretty much from the beginning. You know, you had uh, Andy and Esther, uh, Bibosh, uh, Lauren Montoya, good buddy of mine who's been a supporter for a long time. Uh, he's a great dude. He's also one of the guys I like to call the Facebook warriors. Nice. Over in our Facebook discussion group, people who post a lot, who are interactive a lot on there. And we have a few. I want to shout out to them to say thank you for for making this really fun and, and, and keeping it entertaining and, and keeping interactive. Uh, Frank Swistak, Eric Elledge, Chuck Sapien, uh, Deuce Elefante, who, by the way, has has given us a ton of really cool stuff to dress our our studio with. That's, and I really appreciate that from him. Looking and forward to putting all that stuff really in frames looking, and on the walls and all kinds of good stuff. Looking forward to it. Ran into him at that one of the Lucha Underground tapings. Yep. Uh, and that, that was funny. He was up in the balcony um, <laughs> getting bumped by wrestlers. Uh, Andrea Ward, Jasper Lynch is a, a new addition and has been posting like crazy. Uh, Derek Gator guy, McCray, Jared McDonald, obviously a really good friend of the show. Um, very good buddy. Very, very smart wrestling head on yes. that guy. Uh, Joe Widman, Christopher Figueroa, bam, bam, bam. Got to throw one out to him. And uh, of course the lovely Brooke Curtis, uh, Brooke Curtis has been uh, a wonderful supporter of the show nice. as well since day one. So, uh, and in addition, we we would be remiss if, especially after what happened at this last WrestleMania, we didn't give a shout out to a couple of other what we'll call podcast buddies, um, frenemies, frenem, not, not, yeah, okay, fine, frenemies, frenemies, Fren- a, a healthy competition that yeah. we have with some other uh, wrestling podcasts out there. Take two takedown. Uh, and going in raw, uh, obviously two very excellent other podcasts and other, I, I, I think I'm take two podcasts is a, is, is a podcast, but going in raw is like an institution at it this is. point. They've got, they, they have a ton of content they've and been great doing it for like 10 years they've now. Do, well, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, but, but all those guys have been a lot of fun. It was really fun to, to do the, uh, WrestleMania pickums with them all. And uh, they've been really friendly to our show, and we just want to throw some love back to them because we really do appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much, guys. But uh, onwards and upwards, Ian. Uh, we got a Indeed. lot, a uh, lot of work to do in the next couple of months. Oh boy! And um, especially when the Lucha Underground stuff starts. So if you guys are Lucha Underground fans, you should know there's going to be an additional show coming out there for that. Stay tuned. But you may hear something about the official Lucha Underground podcast very soon. Foreshadowing foreshadowing that's more direct like i'm telling you it's coming <laughs> uh, <laughs> but guys cliffhanger this, yeah this has been an amazing year and it's the it feels like like you said at the beginning of the show ian uh springboard of sorts uh, it feels like we're on the precipice of of greatness like this is getting ready to explode all in our faces in the best way possible and it's a matter of just engaging the listeners more letting them help shape the show and just bringing them on this journey with us yep i i gotta say with a tear in my eye <laughs> that i am very grateful this for is everyone. the greatest this moment is the greatest of moment of my life uh no man it, it really just want to drive it home so grateful for all the listeners. So grateful for you, sir. And and it's been a wonderful, very fun, very crazy year and and a sort of a strange left turn in my life. <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting to be here after a year with a with a successful podcast yeah. talking about something that I just love to blather on about endlessly uh, and getting to do something that I love. So it's it's awesome, and I am looking forward to all of the great things that we have in store. Guys, if you would like to uh, jump in, come over to Facebook, search for Busted Wide Open. You will find the official discussion group for us there. Come on in and join us. Get in on the discussion and be a part of some of these exclusives that we're going to be doing very soon for that group. Uh, also, if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. 
keep an eye out, and we'll be sure to make some announcements when we do. We're going to be introducing some brand new tiers for patronage coming very soon. Like really cool tiers. Yes. Yeah, uh, but with- for now, if you want to just throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar to help the show, sign up to do your very own shoot promo, or whatever you can give, every single dollar counts. That's where we're going. Yeah, if you want to hear your voice on our show, that's one of the things we have right now is the ability to just you know get on our show and talk for a second, say whatever you want kind yeah. of thing. So that's one of the things to, that we already have, but we're going to add a lot more cool stuff. Oh, yeah. So you can get some some swag and some special some giveaways, special, special patron only polls, yeah. uh, all kinds of episodes and evergreen content that's going to be uh, for patrons only. But definitely going to put a lot of energy into that. Yes, definitely want to invest heavily in that. Uh, and guys, if you want to rock some sweet swag to let everybody know that Busted Wide Open is your favorite wrestling podcast, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store and pick up a t-shirt, hoodie, coffee mug, phone case, stickers, all kinds of good stuff over there. You can also give us a follow on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode and join us for any live kind of tweet, live tweeting of yeah. episodes as they happen every week. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Podcasts. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.